do like when you do those little things before the music. I think that makes it more relaxing. That means we need to do something funny. (laughs) Funny on demand. (laughs) Tell me a joke. I'm terrible at jokes. Yeah. Can you even think of one joke right now? I can't think of any jokes. Life is funny enough you don't need jokes. You just have to enjoy life. I really can't. I used to be able to think of some. Oh, there was a there was a pirate, and he had a steering wheel on the front of his pants. And someone said... <laughs> on his pants? Yeah, on the front of his pants. And okay. someone said, why do you have a steering wheel on the front of your pants? And he said, oh, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute to get that. <laughs> We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. But that's a good, you know, like counselor kind of joke and mental health. In what way? Could that possibly be a counseling joke? Well, because nuts, driving me nuts is kind of a mental health commentary. (laughs) You are really stretching it. (laughs) You can stretch anything to fit. If if I learned anything in in higher education, it is exactly that. (laughs) Okay. All right, man. Let's get down to serious. Rock and roll. Bidness. Bidness. It is time for bidness. B-I-D and easy. Business. Business. So, hello. Welcome to Freudian Sips. Hello. It's time for episode number... Hello. Seven. Seven. Lucky seven. (laughs) Lucky seven. I had to say hello twice. I know. I know how you do that. (laughs) But you did, right? You feel okay? You're ready to go on? You said hello twice? It's out of my system. It's out of my system. (sighs) All right. Okay. Episode seven. This is going to be a lucky episode. I just feel it in my bones. It might be episode seven and eight because we have a lot to talk about. I'm pretty sure it's going to be two. So <laughs> it yeah, might be our first our first two parter. Now that we've been doing this for a couple months, we're getting the hang of it. In the hang of it. In the hang of it. So, mom, what's what's our topic that might our be two topic topics? today that might be a two episode or three episode? No, <laughs> we'll we'll try to Whoa. keep it to two, but we might revisit it because right. it is so full. There's a lot. Is dreams our dreams? Is dreams. What's grammatically correct? Our topic is dreams. Topic is. Okay. Glad you're good at the English Dream stuff. Dream weaver. <laughs> we can't sing more than 10 seconds of that. We'll get copyright we, claimed. I, I was going to say. I'm legally obligated to say that because we have a podcast now. Every po- <laughs> every podcast host is legally obligated to say that at some point in their 10 podcast 10 seconds, journey. is that it? No, it's bogus. But, but people have to say it legally. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because sometimes I do just break into song, which is mm-hmm. uncomfortable for the people around me. Oh, don't worry. If you break into more than 10 seconds of song, I will call you'll you have it. To, you'll have to edit it out. Not for legal reasons, just because that's too much that's song. <laughs> <laughs> so we will not have an operatic podcast <laughs> together? 
No, we can do an ASMR episode, though. Oh, okay. We won't. So dreams. Dreams, man. We all have them. Everyone has them. Most people say they have them. Some people say they don't. So literally speaking, everybody does dream. Yeah. Some of us don't remember our dreams the way that others do. Some of us even go so far as to say that we can somehow affect our dreams, that we can actually get in there and and change Change the way. stuff. That's, That's something I do. Do you do that, Anna? Um... I'll talk about this a little later. I've I'm aware that I'm dreaming sometimes, but I've never been able to control it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I I have awareness that I am dreaming. Like I'll say to myself in the dream, "I know this is a dream." It's a dream, yeah. But I'm never able to be like, "Well, since I know it's a dream, I can make a castle there or whatever." <laughs> so there is so much that we could talk about with dreams. So I have There's a feeling a that. Those of you who are joining us today, we hope you poured yourself a beverage because we have from our box of wine. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're still on the box of wine that we got like the five episodes ago. The box of wine ago. might last forever. No, it won't. It's in my house. It won't. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we keep it in I my fridge. I leave Anna alone with it. It could disappear. But there is so much to talk about with dreams that you will you will find us kind of zooming around in many directions in the next like hour or so. Like we're flying through a dream. <gasps> That is Perchance so... Perchance to dream. Anna's glass today has a blue light in the bottom of it because like she is... A cool blue dream color. Ooh. We have these... It's actually... So mm-hmm. they're beer glasses. <laughs> that we're drinking, that we're drinking wine, wine out of. of. We are so classy. But they... Classy it was either this day. or highball glasses and we can fit more <laughs> wine in these. But they have little light up buttons at the bottom. So you can do like mm. red or blue or green or all. And she has blue because she is very thematic. I have blue because I didn't want to push the button that many oh. times. And I'm lazy. I have lots of colors because that's kind of how my dreams are. I am a dream maniac. Weaver. Oh. Oh, maybe a <laughs> weaver. I don't know. I don't know about you, Anna, but since childhood, my dreams are very. What word do I use? I would use cinematic for my dreams. That's a pretty good. My dreams are so like it's like you're watching brawling them. epics. But it, in most of your dreams, is it like you're watching it or like you're participating? That's weird. I don't know. Like I can't. I don't have a clear. Sometimes I'm in it, and sometimes it's other people mm. that I'm aware. Usually, I think I'm part of the action, mm-hmm. but it's not like first person. You know what I mean? Right. So you don't see yourself, you see through your eyes. I can't, I don't have a clear memory of any dream. No, that's not true. I guess I do. Ooh, she's really thinking here. I really am because I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. And I don't know what causes it's, one or the other. It's interesting because dreams are one of those things that are very personal. Like as soon as you say, so to those of you who are listening to our podcast, right now you are examining your own thought. Right now. You're right dreaming. Now. You're dreaming right now. This moment. Pitch yourself. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> we all want you to wake up. Please are, wake up. <laughs> you are thinking about your own dreams and you're thinking, oh, how do I dream? What was it? It's very personal and yet we all kind of have certain things in common when mm-hmm. we start to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. There's tons of very common types of dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but you're right. They, they're all they're all very individualized to what we've experienced. Right. Either throughout our lives or throughout the day or whatever you believe. So when dreams. I dream... Like I would say 98% of my dreams are literally I am participating in the dream. I am seeing it through my own eyes. So I'm in there 
seeing the other characters in my dream as myself. You right. know, like I'm in there doing it. It's not like I'm removed seeing myself as a person in the in the action. See, that does happen in once right. in a while. Right. I would say that I am part of the action, but I'm not like looking at it as if I'm in my own body. I'm uh-huh. like looking at it as if I were watching a movie. Mm. But I, I still feel like I am part of the action and I'm making choices and I'm acting of my own volition. I just feel like it's sort of external. Right. So one of the things we're going to talk about together in this episode and perhaps the next episode because there's just there's so much. Just so much. Is among other things like what what has science taught us about what causes dreams and what have psychologists decided is the way to analyze dreams and you know why do we experience dreams the same and yet differently what is our brain doing what the heck is going on when we have a dream <laughs> the short <So>. answer <laughs> spoiler alert for the rest of the episode is i don't know <laughs> <laughs> No one knows. I don't know. Uh Uh-oh. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Dreams. (laughs) Because Anne and I talked about before we started recording today that in the research, because you know what? We actually do research for these podcasts. We are like, I've done personally way more research for this podcast than all of my grad school career. (laughs) (laughs) That is so painfully true. (laughs) Because sorry, we sorry, any grad school teachers no, that oh no. god, do you think you're a grad school teacher? <gasps> don't tell them. Hey, <laughs> we don't mean sorry. it. We don't mean any of it. I'm really. We sorry. learned a whole bunch. We learned so much. We learned a whole bunch. I have a thing going on with my hands today. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? I'm noticing it through the microphone. It makes an odd noise. It makes a bad noise. Bad microphone noise. But real famous like radio people do weird stuff like that. Bad That's microphone shtick. noise is our is our shtick. I think. <laughs> I have a lot of energy today that's coming out of my fingers. Because you've had two drinks already. We kind of pre-gamed today <laughs> We pre-gamed lunch. a little bit during lunch. <laughs> we had a delicious lunch. We did. Where we pre-gamed just we a little pre-gamed bit. pre-gamed a little bit. <laughs> the second drink the waitress brought to me, and she's like, hey. <laughs> she's like, there's no, I was, I was having whiskey sour. She said, hey, there's no spout on the whiskey tap. I'm really sorry. It came out really fast. And she goes, mm-hmm. if I need to make it taller, I will. And I said, you won't. You won't need to make it taller. And I drank all of it. And my comment was, of everyone in this restaurant, the one person who would be okay with this is Like, Anna buddy, Murray. we're about to record a podcast where this is needed. Well, it seems significant that when we talk about dreams, when we talk about dreams, we are in our unconscious our subconscious and so dreams are an altered state ah. i took my one of my first so my first year of undergrad i took a an elective course that was altered states of consciousness that sounds like a really cool it was very fun yeah. so we we talked about like astral projecting and like meditating and obviously drugs and alcohol and that, that kind was of a things. whole class yeah. Wow. And dreams were one of them. Dreams were one of the altered states of consciousness that we talked about. So mm. we, we literally are in a different version of reality. So kinda. it seems appropriate to be a slightly well, altered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Please don't throw your phone in the lake. <laughs> if you happen to be beside a lake right now. Go find a lake. Don't, don't throw your don't phone in it. throw your phone in the lake. So dreams, yeah. Mm-hmm. The bottom line, as Anna said, is that at this point in our history of scientific research, 
We do not have any conclusive agreement among scientists, psychologists, all those people with big, huge degrees. They don't really know what's going on with the whole dream thing. Sorry, she's getting wide. She's far away. You cannot comment till you get back to your mic. Okay, now. Hi. Hi. We know what dreams are doing. Mm -hmm. We just don't necessarily agree on why they're doing what they're doing. Right. We don't agree on the why. That's exactly right. Yeah. But we know what the functions of our brain are doing during sleep. So how about, I would like to begin with Freud, because we've already talked about Freud. <laughs> oh, well. Can we talk about Freud for a minute? Well, in a, in a more general sense, I would like to talk about kind of how dreams have been viewed in different historical contexts. Oh, okay, wow. And we'll get there. We'll get there to Freud. <sighs> Dude, She's if we're going two episodes, I'm going to stretch this such out. Such an academic, Anna Maria. Such an <laughs> academic. Okay, I birthed you to be if such an academic, so please. If it were, if it were a please. true speech, I would be giving you the definition of a dream. <laughs> Webster's Dictionary says a dream is. That's okay. what I'd be doing. That's so, so don't go quite that far. <laughs> but yeah. It's like eighth grade Start, start with class. the whole history-ish thing. So the before. earliest record we have of dream interpretation is actually from ancient Sumerians in Mesopotamia. And it was 3100 BC. 5,000 years ago, we have records of people interpreting dreams. Holy crap. I know. Now she's getting wide, so she sounds far away. We just, we just, before we even started the topic, we had already finished our first glass of wine. Our first beer draft glass of wine. Classy. We're drinking boxed wine from beer glasses. We need to take one of those social etiquette classes, Anna Marie. We're a mess. So it's really appropriate for dream, though. Because everything in dreams is like distorted and bizarre and is it? I feel like my dreams the the plots are bizarre, but the actual visuals are pretty normal. Oh, I'm very Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really? Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Mushrooms. Actually, I'm kind of yeah. Okay, go back to your. I'm sorry, I didn't it's okay. mean to interrupt because you were it's like okay, totally okay. on a roll. I was. I was in the zone, and you got me on the zone. Sorry. It's okay. Ancient Sumerians, Mesopotamia, 5,000 years ago as a quick refresher. So this was mainly about like mysticism, divination. It was very spiritual. Like they thought it was it was prognosticating things. So like future telling, that sort of thing. Obviously, 5,000 years ago, it was very spiritual, very out there. The most common dream theory across cultures from very far back until now is that it's been prophetic. That, that dreams are prophetic or they're instructional or they're supposed to give us messages. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if we're taking messages in a very general term, we still sort of believe that in some theories. But especially back in ye olden days, they thought it they were literally ye olden days like 5,000 years ago, not like when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the same category, kind of the same but thing. go on. <laughs> um, but literally they thought they were like messages from gods. And there, there's a long history of people doing things because a dream told them to do it. Right. Mesopotamian kings basically watched their dreams to know what to do for, like, ruling their countries and stuff. Mm-hmm. So they really thought that dreams were some otherworldly thing that we were supposed to take messages from. You say that very judgy. Do you not believe that sometimes dreams can be spiritual messages? Oh, no, I do believe that. I don't think they always are. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. Just one in a one in hundred. 
maybe. That's just my voice. I just sound judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I just sound judgy all the time. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. No. They they thought every dream right. was some sort of prophetic specific, message somehow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty overwhelming. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of messages. That's a lot to. Who has the time? I know. Good yeah. lord. <laughs> no. okay. that so would then not be good. We go to sort of following along the same line. So Babylonians, Assyrians thought that dreams were divided into bad and good, and that bad dreams were from demons and good were from gods. Cool. So it, yeah, I mean, cool. But I, I don't know. There are some dreams where there's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've had dreams that are like, that's definitely a bad dream, or that's definitely a really good dream, but there's, I, I don't know, dreams are a lot. There's a lot packed into a mm-hmm. shorter amount of time, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to separate them sometimes. Okay, next, Egypt. Egypt is fun. Egypt is fun dream town. Egypt does weird, <laughs> weird stuff. Yeah, and they do. <laughs> Four dreams. So Egypt has the first written dream journal. So, yeah, so cool. 2000 BC on papyrus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which dream journals, there's a lot of research that says that dream journals, the more you keep dream journals, the more you write down your dreams, the better you remember your dreams in the future. Mm. So they kind of had it right. They 2,000 years them. before Christ. Yes. They were doing dream journals. 4,000 years ago. <sighs> That's overwhelming to me. Yeah, man. Okay. So they thought people with vivid dreams were blessed because they also kind of ascribed to the dreams being a divine prophecy situation. And they, this is funny, they went to dream sanctuaries and they slept on dream beds. (laughs) I like this. Which, (laughs) to me, that's just a bed. (laughs) I don't know what made it special enough to be a dream bed. But they would, they call it incubation. They wanted to incubate dreams. So they thought that they could, by laying on these special dream beds, that you could incubate more vivid dreams from the no. gods. And that's how you would talk to the gods. That's some of those fancy schmancy hotel beds. <laughs> oh, yeah. The ones where you lay down and like sink into yeah, it. Yeah, they have that's those comforters bed. that are real fluffy and the sheets bed. that are like X number of thread count that like makes you go into a whole other dimension. And someone's probably been killed on that bed. That's <laughs> <laughs> don't go to the dark side anna <laughs> sorry can i tell a weird bed story a weird bed weird story dream bed story keep so, it clean keep it clean this is it's not <laughs> not a sexy bed story okay so it was during our honeymoon though so my husband and i for our honeymoon we took a road trip so we would just drive we would read books in the car we would kind of just decide per day where we wanted to stop in a hotel and he was looking on his phone to find a hotel to stop in and he found this one and he's like it has pretty good reviews but one review says there was blood on the bed sheets (laughs) i said that's weird i said you know how reviews are online i said people just leave a review when they have a really weird experience you're laughing because I've told you this story before. Oh, God. So we get to the hotel. Perfectly nice hotel. We get to the room. We pull back the sheets. And there's a spot of dried blood on the bed. And I'm like, okay. I'm trusting online reviews a little bit more than usual. That was not a that good dream. That was not a dream bed. Not a good dream bed. No. Not a good dream bed. No, there was not. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
So uh, ancient Greeks believed with ancient Egyptians about the whole good, bad, you could incubate dreams. They sort of went along the same lines. But there was also this pervasive idea that dreams equated the soul leaving the body. So they kind of viewed it as like an astral projection sort of thing. Mm. Which is weird because like wouldn't you dream more about real life stuff? I don't know about you, but I don't like I, I have sort of madcap adventures in my dreams it's not necessarily things that i think happen in real life uh-huh. again i cinematic is the word i would use for my dreams so i don't picture them as being very reality right based so if they thought it was astral projection wouldn't they think like it was only about reality hmm. i don't know I don't know either. But they, but they thought it was the soul literally leaving the body. Mm-hmm. So there are a few specific, uh, what the hell? Where am I looking? Oh, my God. There are a few specific <laughs> philosophers. I'm sorry. I was traveling into that <laughs> poster behind your head that is about Inception. Oh, I have an Inception poster. Yeah, and I was in the like, room we're recording in. It's very thematic I right went, now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I went into it. And and forgot totally that we were doing a podcast for Leo a minute. DiCaprio. If you want to come on our podcast and Leo, talk about baby, Inception, baby, I once had a dream that Leonardo DiCaprio died without getting an Oscar, <laughs> and I was so Leo sad when was I in woke your up. dreams, and that's what you were dreaming about. <laughs> we need to have a talk, in yeah. Marie, because that is not what you dream about when you dream about Leo, baby. <laughs> Leo's a bro. <laughs> we need to have a talk. Sorry, off topic. <laughs> <laughs> but that picture Not really is off topic. right behind your head, so it, it was is. a little distracting to it me. Is. Okay, what the hell the picture. word what? were you looking for? What? Remember, that's what started this. What the hell word am I looking for? That's what you said. Oh, sure. <laughs> yes. Back to back. I, I managed to say it before you started laughing. Oh, I was just... That ancient Greeks, uh, philosophers, okay. had some pretty specific ideas about dreaming. Mm-hmm. So Hippocrates thought that during the day, the soul receives images, and then during the night, the soul produces images. I don't know, as like a give and take sort of thing, but he's sort of the most right. I kind of oh. like that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I know. No wonder we, we got an oath after that guy, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. Do no harm, and also dreams are souls yeah. doing images. Yeah. My mother had a theory on dreams. What was it? Would, in the ye olden days. <laughs> okay. What that I it? think actually kind of fits with what you just said. My mother used to say that when we dream, it's like all during the day, we take in information and we write it on little file card, like index cards. And and we take in all that information. And then at night, our brain has to put those index cards into our file drawer. Oh, my God. That's and actually exactly so, what's happening. I'll, I'll talk about the neurobiology <laughs> later. And so but you, she, go, she you go, my mother was brilliant. Straight on, yeah. So she would. She said you would like, your brain is like going through the file drawer saying, where does this little card go? And when it does that, sometimes once in a while, one of those cards like pops out of like your grandpa or pops out of that guy that you work with that's really creepy or a if pizza. If a card pops out of your grandma. <laughs> But th- that's what makes a dream is that your bo- your brain is trying to put those today's cards into the file drawer 
And as it's trying to put the file notes away, it pops. Oops, there goes one (laughs) that was about how I had lunch with Susie last week. And then, oops, there's one about that movie I saw the other day. But it still gets in the file. Right. Eventually, it all gets put away. But during the night, you have all this. He's like, should have dropped a card. And then he grabs the card. (laughs) (laughs) But the dream is like chaotic as heck. Right. Just like you just said. You know, it's like, what did you say, madcap? It's madcap craziness. Because all these little cards are flipping out. Mm-hmm. I think my mother had it, actually. I think she was spot on. She really was. Yeah. That's another one for you, Mom. Check, Good job, Check one Mom. for Mama. <laughs> check one up to Mama. So Hippocrates' first, Aristotle was next. He got it less right. He said dreams can analyze illness and predict diseases. <laughs> You almost had it, Aristotle. Well, okay, so there is some neurobiology behind that, that a lot of the things we dream are caused by physiological sensations. So, like, if we right. have a fever, it can almost always cause some sort of dream stuff. What? This is deep. Okay. Are you ready for a deep uh, one? Back so to my early. mom. Yes. But this fits with that. Uh-huh. When mom was alive, several years before her death, she had had... The normal like yearly tests that we ladies go through to be sure that we don't have cancer of any sort, and she had been Would you totally like to say what it's called. We can say it. It's no, our podcast. I cannot. The lady checking of the lady parts, etc. It's worse. And, it's and worse. She, I know it is. <laughs> but she was perfectly fine. But then she had a dream that she had cancer. She had uterine cancer. She oh, had God. a dream of that. The next, she, it was such a powerful dream that she called the next day to the doctor. She said, she had told me many times, praise God, I had a doctor who didn't think I was crazy. Yeah. And he listened to me and he did more tests. And indeed, my mother had uterine cancer. Wow. So that's significant. So that fits right in with the theory you're talking about. That it, I that mean, it, that's, I use that with my clients a lot. In terms of their mental health, but I am a strong believer that mental health ties in so closely to your physical health that they're one and the same, Mm. that I tell my clients, you know yourself the best. If you have a feeling, a strong, overwhelming thought feeling, you should investigate it. Like right now, I'm working with a guy who really does legitimately have PTSD, but we're kind of in the process of trying to figure out if the panic attacks he's having, quote unquote panic attacks, are panic attacks or something physical that's wrong with him. Mm. Because the way he's describing them, he's saying, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's panic. It feels like something physically is wrong with me, which panic attacks do feel like that. Right. So we've processed that too. But I say to him frequently, like, you know yourself best. And if you feel like there is something else going on, trust your gut. The worst that can happen is you're wrong right. and better be safe than sorry. So we're kind of going through that. But yeah, I think that people know themselves best. And I think that our unconscious knows that too. Mm. And that there are sometimes messages that we need to pick up from that. That's deep. That's deep. We got we got deep. I know. Okay. Where were you? I don't know. Sorry. I didn't mean Where to distract I? you. Oh, I was kind of trash talking Aristotle, but he had kind of a point. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So sometimes Sorry, when we think Aristotle. that things are really way out there, Sorry, they're actually bud. pretty straight yeah. right on. So the next one, Marcus Tullius Cicero. I, I've never heard of this Say dude. Say that again. Marcus Tullius Cicero. Very cool name. That is a cool name. Cool name. He said that dreams come from conversations and thoughts that the dreamer has during the day. Which again, pretty straight on. I That's mean, like the file, the the little yeah, I, yeah. Like once we started going away from the, it's entirely spiritual and entirely a divine thing. People kind of had some good ideas about dreams even back then. So mm-hmm. I, it's 
I don't know, I think we always kind of have an intuitive sense about what's going on in our dreams and why we're doing it. And probably dreams have more than one reason. That's why we have so many, like, theories about why they happen. Right. So, you want to talk about religion for a second? That's one of my favorite subjects. Go for it. (laughs) Okay, so, the Abrahamic religions. Am I saying that right? Abrahamic? Abrahamic. So that's Judaism, Christianity, Islam. They generally link dreams heavily to spirituality, obviously, because they're spiritual things. So ancient Hebrews, they actually incubated dreams like Egyptians did. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would do the, the whole communicating well, with if God. Well, you think, if you think back on like in the Old Testament and the story of Joseph... Yes, that's what I was going to ask you, because my next bullet point is there's lots of dreams that are mentioned in the Bible mm-hmm. as being prophetic. So what are, what are some of the ones you think about? Well, right away I go to Joseph, mm-hmm. and this is the, those of you who might be on the edge of that, like Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite musicals, <laughs> uh, but yes. also in the Old Testament, that Joseph was a character who had a gift of prophecy, of interpreting dreams. And so the way that he actually got to a point where he was saved from terrible calamity was that he could interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh... (laughs) The Pharaoh was like, this kid is going places. Exactly. This kid has upper management (laughs) written all over him. And that's exactly what happened. Right, because he was imprisoned, basically, in the dungeon for a long time, being falsely accused. He's got an incredible story. But basically that he could interpret the Pharaoh's dreams about an upcoming... Tune into our other podcast where we talk about Bible stories. I could do a lot on that. You could do a really good Bible podcast, yeah. That's a whole separate issue. But that he he did indeed interpret, and that would be like prophetic, like upcoming, because the Pharaoh had dreamed about the upcoming drought. Mm -hmm. It was like seven... Seven years of, of, of it was like seven good seven stuff. skinny cows and seven fat cows right? or something, right? Good job. You remember your good upbraiming. <laughs> and the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. Oh, I didn't remember that part. Yeah, very <laughs> disgusting. Very morbid. And seven healthy um, stalks of wheat, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But the, the the significance was that there was going to be seven years of good right. growth, and then there was going to be seven years of so Joseph interpreting the dream said you need to take what you get in the seven good years and store it away so because there's going to be seven years of drought Mm -hmm. and then there's i mean the entire book of revelations is a dream right Mm. many believe that yes right many believe that and even you know there's a lot in the book of daniel about dreams and about the prophecy Mm. of things coming up so there's a lot jacob's ladder is a dream thing right right wow anna good job (laughs) it's all coming back to me you remember all those stories i told you when you were a little one and we would tell jesus stories (laughs) oh yeah yeah instead of bed stories jesus Jesus stories stories. are even old testament yeah yeah jesus stories were like joseph (laughs) in the coat of many colors it's like yeah not really weird text we weren't being specific yeah 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 so in islam Dreams are the only way Muslims can receive revelations from God since the death of their prophet Muhammad. So they also believe that it's it's divine messages. That's awesome. So there's a pretty common theme of, of mm-hmm. divine messages being interpreted through dreams. Right. Well, and even, I mean, if I can jump back again to Christianity and the idea... <laughs> as of, you often do, go as, on. Because that's my <laughs> stick. It's your stick. Um, the New Testament. I mean, you know, when Joseph and Mary... You know, in the whole Joseph and Mary, baby Jesus story. Right. Know, there's a lot about dreams in there. That Joseph was told in a dream that he should take Mary. Yeah. And so that's a theme. 
I think it's really cool that so many other faiths have that yeah. underlying right. messages through dreams thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes from more paganistic cultures had gods of dreams. Right. It makes sense, though, to me that in our consciousness, when we are awake, we have too many filters and walls that keep us from being too spiritual. Because when we're awake, we're too much like, oh, that's that can't happen. Mm-hmm. But when we're asleep, we're vulnerable. And we let down those walls and those filters. Right. And then there's that unconsciousness. And, and there's that possibility of spirituality being involved with our unconscious. Right. That's my two cents worth. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that go on in our dreams. But I do believe there is a dimension of spirituality. And as I was reading this, I read in several places, and I could never get really specific. You know how I love me some brain words. I could never really get specific brain words about, like, several people said, well, the emotional part of your brain is more active in dreams. But I don't know what that means. Don't know what it means. I got a whole section on that. We'll get to that Oh, you do? Oh, Neat. Okay. Let me finish religion first. So Hinduism, in the Veda scriptures, dream is one of the three states of the soul. The other two states are being awake and being asleep. Now, to me, dreaming is part of being asleep. But I think that means like being asleep and not dreaming, I guess, is categorized as one of the states. But that kind of harkens back to the belief that the dream is the soul leaving the body, Mm. which is one of the ancient, what did I say, Greek, I think? Yeah, Mm -hmm. ancient Greek beliefs about why we dream. So Hinduism kind of borrowed from that. Buddhism also believes that it's uh, premonition-like and that they also believe that dreams transcend time, that different Buddhas have had the same dream and that's kind of one of the markers of of being the Buddha. Cool. I know, that's kind of cool, right? That kind of ties to the Jungian idea of Well, Jungian was real about that. That everybody's tied yeah, to the spirituality same. stuff yeah that he borrowed heavily from from stuff like buddhism so right. that makes sense cool so with that do you want to go into psychology and to freud and the young do you have stuff about that do you want me to start what do you want to do <laughs> <laughs> i'm feeling overwhelmed by your my knowledge my energy my your wealth of knowledge your wealth <laughs> good mic noises <laughs> Our brand. Our brand is good mic noises, everyone. Welcome to Freudian Sis, where we do bad mic noises. If it's your first episode listening, I'm sorry. It's because when I was in radio, we were discouraged from doing mic noises. So now you're free. So now I'm expelling that. It's like, you know, retentive, expulsive. Okay. Well, we've talked about Freud, like our first episode plug for our first episode. In case you haven't listened. <laughs> be sure you listen to episode sure one. We totally talked about Freud. Yep. We didn't really. Uh, we we, we talked about his interpretation of we, dreams a little bit. We barely touched barely. on the dream thing. Yeah. There was so much about Freud. We just <laughs> there was barely, a lot. We're going to have to revisit Freud. But. There's more about Freud than there is about dreams. We just cut it short. Right. Yeah. That being said, as far as if we're shifting from the idea of history and then religion to the idea of psychology and dreams. Yeah. It's kind of a different subset. So so Freud definitely is one of the forefathers of the idea of dream analysis. And we talked about how Freud believed very firmly on uh, the idea of, on? In the idea. Sorry, sometimes I get a preposition wrong. 
<laughs> spit my wine you all over. Dribbled. It did. You dribbled. You dribbled. Um, that <laughs> that our subconscious is very much present and yet hidden. And so dreams are that subconscious like sticking its head up out of the sand. Right. But that we still want to keep it. Freud? Did I say subconscious? Yes. What did I say? Our unconscious. Which are yes. different ideas in right. Freud. Thank you for clarifying that. So so that unconscious... <laughs> words are hard for me today. Three As- drink Bonnie. <laughs> three drink Bonnie's in the house, everybody. Welcome three drink Bonnie to the stage. Snaps for three drink Bonnie. I think it's disrespectful that you treat your mother this way. <laughs> That's... Sticks his head up through the sand. I see. I lost my like a groundhog on Groundhog Day. The and unconscious sees sticks his, his head up, and if he sees a shadow, <laughs> he runs. And then you have to go to therapy because your groundhog hid. What? <laughs> okay. You heard it here, folks. If you. <laughs> If you're groundhogging it, you have to go to therapy. <laughs> okay. Seriously now. Yeah, that's seriously. I'm kind of losing my voice, so it's hard to have authority over you. Sorry. Freud believed that when we were asleep, we couldn't fight that off anymore. Which is kind of what you just said. Is it? I mean, you said that in our dreams, we blocked that lately. We take down our walls. Right. Our walls fall down. We become vulnerable. All that stuff you almost said it i would be the only one that says hidden it comes out in our dreams and so that's that's kind of where freud started with all of that that the things that we dream about are the things that are actually in our unconscious that we are hiding that is secretive right and so then he would analyze those with his clients he would talk about you know tell me about say that with an accent anna Tell me about your dreams. Do that with a German accent. I can't do a German accent. Do a Russian accent. That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I somewhere behind. Patently disagree. The Cold War wall or whatever. Very good. Tell me about the dream. That's close enough. <laughs> That's how Freud talks. Tell me about the dream. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sigmund Freud. You need to work on your German. <laughs> I have none, so I can only... <laughs> Um, so F- Sigmund Freud once, uh, this is a quote from him. Ooh, are you ready? Bum, 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 bum. Direct quote from Sigmund oh, Freud. He viewed dreams as, quote, the royal road, end of quote, to the unconscious. I have that in my notes too. <gasps> so it's real. It's it real. totally I found real. it in my independent research as well, verified by two independent <laughs> sources, mother and daughter. We so have to write a paper. <laughs> no. Don't make me. And so he therefore developed what he referred to as dream analysis or dream interpretation. And of course, you know, he has the famous big, big time book entitled The Interpretation of Dreams. Which is how he got Carl Jung's attention, which mm-hmm. we talk about in one of our other episodes that mm-hmm. I can't remember which one. Four? Five? We've had so many good ones. So you should episodes. really listen to all of the episodes. Yep. Every one of them. Listen to all the episodes and they find one about Carl Jung. That's the one I'm talking about. So... I think that's enough for Freud, don't you? I mean, it was just kind of like, so then, so stepping on to Young then. Well, no, I mean, he thought that dreams were wish fulfillment. Did we talk about that? No. So, yeah, I mean, one of Freud's big things is that obviously he was very into the pleasure principle and that we 
are often very obsessed with things that we want, we desire, Mm -hmm. and that dreams were often a form of wish fulfillment. But to Freud's credit, he moved away from this after some work with people who had trauma and who were going through traumatic dreams. And that after he had that experience, he sort of said, well, okay, it's not wish fulfillment because if it was, they they wouldn't be having these really upsetting dreams. Mm. So he kind of moved away from that. But he, he did believe that there was some measure of wish fulfillment and there was some measure of sexual content in dreams. Mm-hmm. A big measure because that was his shtick. <laughs> if was we're his talking shit. about shticks. Right. <laughs> uh, Yes. And he also came up with the ideas of manifest and latent content. Very good. I have those in my notes as well. You weren't going to talk about that with Freud? Two researchers. No, that's there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Freud was the one that came up with it. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. manifest content is what you actually see in your dreams. So the visuals, what's going on, the the content of it. But latent is basically what it means, what the underlying interpretation of the right. dreams is. Right. So you see in your in your manifest content, you see... You're flying. Okay. That's a very common one. <laughs> I was totally not going to go there. Where are you going to go? Where are you no, gonna no, gonna no, go? no, no, no. Go go okay, so what would be the latent content of flying? There's a lot of... That's one of the most common dreams. So right. some people say it's because you feel untethered and because it's an anxiety thing. But other people say it's because you feel free and you feel good. Right. So, And I was thinking too, the manifest content, because Freud was very into um, phallic symbols, anything that was sexually... So you would see something with food or something with a, the shape of a building, right. etc., or even a character in your life who had specific control of your life or whatever, that that's a manifest contest. That's what you would see. But the latent content was a sexual thing. And it was pretty much almost always sexually charged somehow. Because, because that's, yeah, Freud that's believed that thing. everything was sexually right. based. That so. was his thing. Yes. So, yeah. So, we, so when we look at dreams, we would look at the manifest content. So when you would be... When you would be interpreting your dreams, you would be telling your dream as you saw it, and then the the person who was analyzing your dreams would say, "Okay, well, let's look That's at that." That's what this means. This right. what that means. Yes. Let's look at this building. Let's look at this piece of food. Let's look at this activity. What does it really mean to you? So that would be the latent content. What you want? That? Don't do that now. She's pointing at something. Yes. Okay. You have a specific so thing? when we talk about latent content and manifest content i requested that mom bring this little okay so it's a a fat little book and it says a thousand and one dreams and i remember looking through this when i was a kid i i have fond memories of looking through this and it's like a dream interpretation book and it says it borrows heavily from freud and young can you just like can we just open it to a random page and talk about something it says so this is taken directly from like dream interpretation stuff that's freudian and jungian right so so like okay here's one football (laughs) okay Didn't think we'd go there, did you? Okay, sure. Let's start The high passions of football, whether in the form of the American game, soccer, or rugby, may express considerable sexual excitement for the dreamer. (laughs) Football. A goal may symbolize orgasm. Should I be reading this? (laughs) Should we be rating this? Okay. 
I just opened. Okay. You were, just, you were concerned about saying pee in our last episode. So I don't know if orgasm I just is said cool. orgasm. Just as an, okay. A goal may symbolize orgasm just as a near miss may represent fears of impotence. Sorry, guys and gals. Um, youngins may prefer to see the dreamer's success or failure in terms of spiritual aspirations. So right now we're still focused on on Freud. Who but that is, part's more young. Right. So we're going to talk about young next. Okay. But, you, but you'll notice that the, that there's a difference. <laughs> the more, here, you open okay, the one open and it, you look up one. Because I don't want to keep reading the dirty Mom's stuff. Mom's eyes just got really big uh, yeah. when she I opened it to page. peaches and that was kind of scary. So what do you got, Anna? What do you got? Okay. Some of them are very specific. Ooh, circus. The ultimate theater in the round, the great ring of the circus, embraces the whole transient spectacle of our lives, ranging from courage and daring to comedy, animal passions, and an ever-present fear of the unpredictable and death. The empty circus ring may express our feelings that life is passing us by, but it may also represent the expectant arena of exciting new possibilities. I wish they could see the things you do with your hands. <laughs> I did it very large motion. I'm sorry, I blacked out for a second while I was reading that. What did I say? All kinds of stuff about the circus. Basically, okay, so basically, here's the thing that I love about dream interpretation is it's like it could mean this anything, or it could mean this totally, totally separate opposite, opposite idea. That's <laughs> it's exactly like you're right. welcome. That is That'll exactly be a hundred dollars. That's right. So very, very much every dream interpretation thing I've ever seen is like that. Like, it could mean this or the total opposite. Right. You're welcome. So, I don't know. But I think that goes back to self-awareness that we talk about almost every time we have an episode. Yeah, we always go back to it. Because that's our shtick. That's, our, that's thing. our thing. Okay, so when you are interpreting your dreams and you say, okay, well, some people say that this means this, you think about your, think about your own self. Right. Take care of your own self. <laughs> Take care of your own self. <laughs> And yeah, and that if you even if you I mean, if we're talking about manifest latent, you mm-hmm. and someone else could have the entirely same exact same manifest content in your dreams, mm-hmm. which is what you dream about. But it could mean something different for both of you. I think that there are certain there's certain themes that happen in a lot of people's dreams, like anxiety is obviously one of them or fear. Anxiety dreams are the most common. The biggest. Yeah. So do you, Anna, do you have like a recurrent dream that you have many, many times? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, I do. Please tell us about that. (laughs) My most recurrent anxiety dream is that I am in a show, like a, a theater show, that I have never seen the script for, but I know, oh, <laughs> touching your nose, because she has that too, apparently, that I have never seen the script for, for, but I know I have to go on stage and perform. Like any moment. Immediately. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I need to find a script and learn it real fast, or if I need to improvise something, and it's very, very stressful. I've never had, I know one of the more common anxiety dreams is like test take, like school anxiety. I've never had those. I've never had like a test or a I school I haven't had that, but I've had that I can't get my locker open. Interesting. That I'm in high school and I have to get something out of my locker and I have no freaking idea what my locker hmm. combination is. That's interesting. Did, but the, So have you ever in real life in awake times, in uh-huh. the awake times, mm-hmm. have you had like test anxiety? Yeah. You have? Well, I mean, not to the extent that some people do, but like when we took our grad testing stuff. That was stuff, different. That was a bit that of a big test. That was very stressful I had that for too. Me. But like I've never had like 
I, I know some like test anxiety is a thing. Like I don't. Yeah. No, I would say no to that. Okay. That in I real life either. I have not. Have you had it in dreams? No. That's no. What, that's what I mean. I've never had yeah. a test. But I have thing. had on stage anxiety yeah. where I think, oh crap, I don't remember my just next being line. On stage. Sure. <laughs> like you, you have that moment right before you go on stage. If you're a person who's ever done any kind of theater, yeah. Where you're you like, think, oh, oh cool, I don't remember any of my lines. Great, this is right. gonna be fun. Cool, let's go. Right. Or I. Remember <laughs> I remember very vividly when we talked about one of the past episodes about when I was a Palmer, mm-hmm. right before I would go on the field, like at football games when we'd hit go, I would just have this overwhelming feel- feeling like, I uh, I don't know this routine at <laughs> Your all. Your mind just goes totally blank uh, yeah. of all the dance moves. Yeah. And that's how it felt like before I would go on stage. Yeah. Like, oh like crap. totally blank of all the- I have no idea what the show's but about. But that's why theater people do rehearsals that it sort of becomes muscle memory. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, exactly. that is the concept behind that, I think. But right. yeah, I, my, my anxiety dreams are almost always theater dreams. I have that one occasionally. But the one that I have, and I swear it's once a week, is something about radio because we've talked about how I was, how, that. How I was that in radio yeah. my big anxiety dream is that I'm on the air in radio and in the day when I was on the the biggest sin was dead air and even just you know 10 seconds of dead air was like big deal and actually there were <laughs> we as, don't have that in this podcast because I edit it <laughs> we do edit, so we can do whatever the hell we, we want <laughs> But in those days... We could walk away from the mics. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> You're right. So when I when I had like a... When I was a DJ in the early days of my radio, it was like a record was about to run out and you would have to have a new record up, you know, queued up, yeah. ready to start. Later in my, in, in my experience, when I was in talk radio, it would be like, okay, a commercial's almost over. I got to know what I'm going to talk about next. But in these dreams, Anna, it is always very very similar it's often like because one of the things in radio was we would do weather forecasts we would always have the weather forecast like typed up and in front of us so that whenever we were required to do it certain many a times during an hour but also just if you had a down 10 seconds you could right, fill with weather right. but in my dream it's like there's no forecast there there's no window so i can't see what the freaking weather's doing <laughs> I can't be I like, can't hear rain it's a roof. beautiful rainy day. <laughs> but in my anxiety dreams, There's it's like 60% I'm searching. chance it's already raining. Right. I'm searching for records and I'm searching for what we used to call carts, which were, they kind of looked like eight track tapes. You know, they were like, but they were called carts and you put them in. And in my dream, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no music. There's no, what am I going to talk about? Which in, in in reality, if someone put me in front of a mic now, you As know, I'm doing to you every Friday. You sure, know sure, me. Sure. I would just start to talk. I yeah. would just be like, so let's talk about life. Right. But in my dream, it's just overwhelming Yeah, we're kind stress. of in a profession where we have to figure out if we want to fill that dead air, if we just need to let it sit. So, Ooh. Yeah. That's deep. That's a whole new dimension. Yeah. If you're not in counseling and you ever go to counseling, be prepared for your counselor just like letting there be long stretches of silence to make you uncomfortable. Sorry, that's why we do it. <laughs> that's why I do it. It's but just, I'm uncomfortable in this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like it's, I, it's I have us to being make myself too. be comfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. So isn't it cool? And I think that everybody who's listening who would be able to think of one thing that's kind of a repetitive dream for them. Mm-hmm. That they, I think a lot of people have those recurring dreams. Right. And I think they're often anxiety-based. Oh, I was going to ask. So the radio dreams that you have. So you said you kind of have like an Alice in Wonderland thing going on. So when you're in the radio booth, what do you call it? Mm-hmm. Booth? That's right. The booth. Booth. 
that is it distorted or do you no. kind of feel like it's very in those realistic? dreams it's very realistic i mean i can see very clearly exactly that makes where, it way freakier because it's real yeah i know like i can i can see in my mind even now as i'm thinking about the dreams like that you would go out the door to go into what we used to call the record library because in the olden days we had records but guys life's life was hard often in, in my days. dreams the door is locked to get into the record library oh because see, I need to put a That's record an, on. Yeah, yeah. Or there's going to be dead air, wow. but I can't get into the lock. Anxieties just keep on coming. <sighs> That's a lot of anxiety for I one have dream. great anxiety. <laughs> but as I talk about it when I'm awake, and this is something that this is why we talk about it in therapy. Yeah. Because we want to talk about why do we dream that, and what does that mean to me, and what is that telling me about how I feel in everyday life that I don't yeah. have control of things. And I want control of Have everything. Have you ever had someone talk about their dreams in the therapy session? A couple of times. Really? A couple of times. Oh, I feel like that would be cool. No one's ever done that Adults. Children mm. always say, eh, I don't really dream. Or I have a bad dream once in a while. Do you ask about it? I do. Really? Not always with every client, but um, sometimes when I'm feeling like they're not they're not opening up to what's really there. Sometimes I do. I do very Freudian, go into the... I sometimes... Okay, for for those of you who are listening, <laughs> my daughter uh, created this really cool... Is it called... An, what's it called, Anna? A print? A print? I, of Freud? When I was in college, mm-hmm. I was a... I was a uh, art major, studio right. art major, so I did printmaking. So I have one of Anna's prints on my wall of Freud in my office. He's holding, and- I kind of have a bastardized <laughs> version on our website if you go there <laughs> yeah. that I've changed. He was yeah. holding, uh, in my original version, he was holding a banana, but he's holding a bottle of wine on mm-hmm. the website. So mm-hmm. I, I modified that slightly. But in the original version, he's holding a cigar in one hand, a banana in right. the other. And he's on a wall kind of that I can look at. Sometimes when I'm with my clients, I'm like, Freud, babe, have, this is for I, you. I have him in my office too. And sometimes <laughs> I'm just like, dude, are you hearing this? <laughs> so yeah, oh, so sometimes I do. Because I do feel like sometimes dreams, I don't go deep into the Freudian part of it. You don't like interpret it or anything. No. no. But I just ask them like, do you have nightmares? Do you? Oh, yeah. And with some of my yeah. little ones especially, they have nightmares. Okay. I guess I have had clients talk about how they have nightmares. Mm-hmm. But they don't ever talk about the content of the nightmares. Right. They just say that they have them, which to me is enough to I have one client with. who really enjoys talking about his anxiety dreams. Really? Like it helps him. It's cathartic for him to Do you, do to you feel like it. he is able to connect it to his real life anxieties? Very much. Very much. That's helpful. Yeah. Like to me, I think when we talk about all these different theories of dreams, I think there are some theories, I don't know, I think most theories have some basis in reality. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we have dreams that are really meaningful and sometimes they're just noise. Like, I think it doesn't have to be one or the other all the time. That's why I think I sounded a little bit judgy about, like, the divine prophecy thing. Is just because mm-hmm. their their reference point was everything is a divine prophecy in your dreams. Where I'm like, okay, maybe if you're a spiritual person, you think it can be used for that. But not necessarily all the time. You know, if you have an anxiety dream, it could be referencing something in your real life. Or it could just be because you're having an anxiety dream. Like, it... it Again, self-awareness. You have to know what's going on in your own life and how it relates to that and if it actually has a meaning as opposed to just being like your brain having hallucinations during the nighttime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I think that's an awesome way. Oh, I'm going to use that word that we were told not to use in master's classes. Which one we were told to use not so much. Eclectic. Eclectic. I think that's kind of how I feel about dreams. Yeah. Is that sometimes they're very useful in helping you to overcome fears and anxieties. It's just about reading your client and reading exactly. about what they're about. And, and I do, I, I personally do believe that sometimes God, in my personal faith, mm-hmm. I believe that God can speak to you in dreams. I even go way out on the limb, maybe. <laughs> I don't mind burp. Are you like burping while I'm getting really deep? <laughs> I turned away from the mic and you still called me on it. I can't catch a break. I'm your mommy. I can't catch a break. I noticed these things, okay? My very deep deep. thought was that I I even believe, I do sometimes, because both of my parents have passed, and so I dream a lot about my mom and my dad. And some of my dreams are very, like we talked about before, Alice Wonderland. Yeah. I just had some dreams last night that were very Alice in Wonderlandy. But there are other dreams that are very much like I feel in the morning. I feel like I talked to mom last night. You know, there's yeah, that. Yeah, and like, so last night I I, told, I can't remember if we were recording. But last night I had a dream that I was in a store and I got a call from Papa, from your father. I know mm-hmm. you know who he is, but Papa. listeners might not. Yes. <laughs> I call him Papa. And he was talking to me about something that I couldn't remember when I woke up. And when I woke up, the thought that I had was, I wonder what Papa was trying to tell me. Mm. As in like the Papa who has passed. The real The the real real Papa. Yeah. Like I feel like he was trying to send me a message and I was like, (laughs) I don't know. I I don't remember it. (laughs) Sorry. And Anna and I were talking before the podcast about that I personally – I was I was actually much closer to my mom, mm-hmm. as you know, Anna. Yeah. I was much closer to mom than my dad. I love them both dearly, but mm-hmm. mom and I were best friends, kind of like Anna and I are best friends. You're my best friend, You're Banana. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. But I actually have many more dreams about my dad. Now, Now, dad just passed a year ago. Right. It's more recent. And, and so maybe that's why. And he why. was also more talk. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna and I were talking about that, you know, it's kind of like that idea that that my dad would be more like, hey, hey, what's going on? Let's, <laughs> Give me the dream megaphone. Yeah, let's, hey. let's, let's go out and have supper, you know. And mom would be on a much deeper plane. Right. She would be much more out there like affecting change in the universe. If we're, yeah, if, <laughs> if we're on the spiritual side of things like the she's an angel now, like right. she's got things to do besides she's be in busy. our dreams. And, <laughs> and Papa just is like, hello, I'm right. here now. Right. So I think kind of, actually, I think this is kind of a breaking point. I do. I think that, that what we've talked about so far is the idea that that dreams are part of all of our lives, mm-hmm. you know, and that that they can be very useful in therapy. Yes. Um, especially if they're dreams that continually concern you. Like if you wake up and you feel kind of haunted by that dream. Yeah, like if you have a dream and it's really sticking with you, I mean, maybe it is just a weird dream and it was a weird like creepy dream or whatever, but really Mm -hmm. it may have some actual basis to it. So if you want to write it down and sort of think about it, that's probably a good idea. I don't know. I do encourage my clients if they have, if their dreams are significant to them. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, sometimes the people that we see in therapy are not sleeping well. 
Yeah. So they don't, they feel like they don't dream or right. because they haven't hit that REM and right. they haven't, and we haven't really talked about that yet, but that might be a good next episode as we continue to kind of go in that direction a little bit. Before we break, I think we should talk about, the, we should finish talking about the psychology where there's young, and I also have Gestalt therapy in my notes, that that's, Gestalt is very, very dream heavy. Yes. Yes. But that's why I'm thinking that's kind of like a whole separate. No, it's not. Mom, I'm only a third away through my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Yet it's been almost an hour. It has been. It's fine. Tell us about young. Do you have young stuff? Young blood? I would say <laughs> the young stuff that I have is that remember that when we talked about young, we talked about how there was that division. That young hit a point where he realized he was very different in his philosophy, in his belief as right. from Freud. And it separated him from Freud. That, and he was very, in his dream stuff, he was very like, it's not sexual. Like right. he was very clear about it's that. It's not secret. It's, it's episode four, by the way, if you're interested in the young stuff, it's four. episode four. So Young was very heavy into the whole idea of of unifying ourself, of being whole, of yeah. bringing it all together. And so Young believed very much as far as dreams go, that it was kind of a, a, a mythic world yeah. that we were involved with in our dreams. In, in episode four, we talked a lot about the archetypes. Mm-hmm. And so those kick up big time in Especially our Especially like the symbolic archetypes. Like we talked a lot about character archetypes in episode four, but, but there was also like symbolic archetypes in episode four where there's like... I think the example I used was a castle where like that symbolizes protection. So like there's different objects that symbolize certain things. So that's where when we look at this dumb old dream interpretation book, that that's a lot of that like archetype. (laughs) I love this dream interpretation book. I have fond memories. But like it's it's very like this this certain symbol means this certain thing, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous because a certain symbol can mean different things for different people. But in in Jungian psychology, it's very much like this certain thing means the same for people because it's in our collective unconscious. So we were talking about, hello, welcome back to Freudian Sips. Mom left to go to the bathroom. My cat got in the room. There was I a whole thing. Mom spilled her wine. There was a whole thing. Uh... I have no idea where I'm going to cut it before we come back. There's probably going to be elevator music somewhere. Life is exciting. (laughs) Hang out with us. Look how exciting our life is. Mom's drunk enough that she's snorting. What were we talking about? Young. 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 Stop. I haven't done that since episode four. It's true. So we were talking about how Jung differed from Freud and the way he conceptualized dreams. So what what did you have about that? Well, just we have talked about in past episodes that there was quite a division. You know, there was a point at which Jung separated from Freud because basically he didn't agree with Freud that everything was rooted in our sexuality and our mm-hmm. sexual urges. And so um, Freud's idea of dreams was that these were the unconscious things that were basically being kept secret 
and that we wanted to keep and that should secret. be kept right, secret right. to some extent exactly but young was saying no 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 no. the the dreams are the way that we express things that we really want to bring out into right life. he he said the recurring dreams things that we often dream about are unfinished business that our unconscious wants us to deal with basically mm-hmm. so like going back to the anxiety dream that i have about not being prepared to keep us on the air in my radio business mm-hmm. would be a recurring dream of unfinished business of, what do you think? That I'm not prepared to continue Yeah, on, yeah, like the feeling I'm, of I'm not never being pre- prepared. I think it goes back to the imposter syndrome that we've also talked <gasps> about on the show. Yeah, that just mm-hmm. I think anxiety dreams often go back to like not feeling prepared, not feeling like you're fit to be... I mean, specifically for me, my imposter or my my uh, my anxiety dream of not knowing the role that I'm supposed to play in the show mm-hmm. is feeling unconfident about the role that I'm playing in life. If we're getting you know deep, deep about it, but to me, like the way I conceptualize, whenever I wake up from one of those dreams, it's not like I've had a day where I feel especially impostery. It's that. I just have anxiety. Like, I just, I'm feeling anxious. And that's kind of the way my dream categorizes it. Like, this is an anxiety feeling. Because I am so feelings-based, I'm less about the meaning, like the symbolism behind it, and more just about, like, the feeling that's evoked from it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, an anxiety dream is just about general anxiety that I may be feeling throughout the day. Right. So Jung basically did not believe that dreams needed to be interpreted right. like Freud did, but instead that they were performing a function, which the function was basically going back to that making us whole. So integrating our conscious and our unconscious lives, mm-hmm. the individu- individuation, <laughs> I can't say right now, but you know what I mean. You couldn't say it last time either. Ind- that's just a word I can't that's say. That's just a word you can't say. Kind of like armoire. <laughs> There are certain words. Chaise lounge. Say. Right. Individuation. Say it. Individuation? Oh, you show off. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, which is the idea of He he putting... did think they were coded messages though. Right. Like he thought there was stuff that we needed to process through. He just didn't think it was like symbol equals meaning. He right. just didn't think it was that one on one. But he did think it was coded messages. And the way I have it is he thought they were coded messages from brains from god who the hell knows carl sure doesn't mm-hmm. like he doesn't he's just sort of all over he the left place that ambiguous yeah he was like yeah. it's dreams that are messages from somewhere mythic components oh yeah he just sort mythic. of left it open because right. he was very spiritual in his way of looking at things so right. i'm not gonna say he was totally on board with the like prophecy mysticism things that dreams used to be but he wasn't totally against it. Right. He had his toe in that water. Right. I okay. Agree. Okay. And so he was he was all about bringing all those things together because remember the young Jungian theory of being whole. Right. Of bringing it all together into a wholeness. Right. Right. Okay. Mom's pretty insistent that that's where we're ending episode seven. I think so. Yeah. Do you want to do anything fun? Can we read some more dream interpretation things yes. to end the episode? Do you want to do yes. it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Mom is looking in the 1001 Dreams book again. Mm-hmm. Rifling through 1001 it. 1001 Dream Things. We like haven't what? counted them to see if that is a true statement. Right. Oh, she found a fun one. 
Red rose. Ooh. A red rose. Passion. Passion. Love. Mm, very Ooh. close. The red rose is a traditional symbol of romantic love and erotic passion, suggesting to Freudians. Oh my gosh, I get the worst wow. ones. <laughs> the female sexual organs. <laughs> and sometimes, this is gross. Okay. Menstrual blood. Ew! I know, I'm what? just reading what I opened to. Oh, man. A rose with its thorns implies an attitude toward female sexuality in general Every that is fraught with ambivalence. Oh, goodness. Whereas the beauty of the flower is enchanting and its thorns can wound. I'm closing the book. Wow, that was a definitive close. Wait, do you want me to do it? You pick up one now. Shoot. Okay. Okay. I opened the football again. (laughs) I think someone in our audience needs to hear the football. Football. Someone, if you're dreaming about football, (laughs) this is for you. Okay, what else you got? (laughs) Screwdriver. Not the drink, the tool. (laughs) Beyond its primary phallic symbolism, Uh, the screwdriver may represent an instrument for putting the finishing touches to a project. The dream can express a determination to give work added security and stability. I like your radio voice. Can Thank I do you. one more? Thank you for coming to Anna Interprets Dreams. <laughs> With Anna. <laughs> me. Anna. Me. <laughs> Starring Are you doing another one? Me. I'm going to do one more. Okay. Um, you know what? There's the a one thousand and I, one. We could make a whole podcast yeah, on this. I know. Actually, the one I'm not going to do, because I can never find it in this book, but I had this reoccurring dream. Do any of you have this dream where... Like something's biting you. I have a dream that I get stung. It's kind of the same thing, right? I yeah, have, I have that one too. The bees I had a are very vivid me. dream one time that I've had a couple times where someone was pressing a wasp into my hand and it stung me in my oh. palm. And like when you woke up, you kind of felt like, oh. Yeah, you kind of like flexed your hand a little bit like oh. to make sure it was still there. Yeah. yeah. My dream is actually often about cats it might be because I have cats. Sure. But they're biting me. And like when they bite me, they like, they're biting and hanging on. Ooh. Like their little teeth are dug into me. That's creepy, isn't it's, it? Biting isn't in there? Well, I can't find biting. I can find cats and it's all about the whole mystic blah, blah, blah of cats. Sure. But I did one time read that biting is like, is anxiety again. I, mean, I would yeah. think stinging would be like that too. Yeah, it's the same Wouldn't category. But I mean, this book goes into even like when you have dreams about certain numbers. Jeez. Or um, here. Oh, oh, here. Okay. Stage. Oh, okay. Like the theater. Uh huh. The theater, which is kind of like the recurring dream that you have. Yeah. Except this is just specifically about the stage. It says. As Shakespeare said, oh, no. all the world's a stage. <laughs> oh, and the men and women merely players. A dream stage places one world of illusions inside another. The world of our dreams. As such, the stage expresses our efforts to understand appearances. If we see ourselves on stage, we may be preoccupied with how we appear to others and to ourselves. In the waking world. 
Okay, so that's interesting to me because I dream of the stage because I have had experience being on stage. Right. I mean, I, again, when we talk about like first person, third person, I, it's me on the stage, like going onto the stage. Again, I don't have super clear memories of if I'm being in first person or like if I'm seeing myself from outside, but I know it's me going onto the stage. So it's not like I'm dreaming of it without context. I'm dreaming of it in the context that I have experienced a stage, which is, like you said, kind of a natural performance anxiety of of, no, of wondering if you're going to get things right and, and wondering if you know your lines. So, right. I, I mean, we don't dream of things in a vacuum. We dream of things with context. We dream of things that we have experienced before. So. Absolutely. Are you doing another one? Are you addicted to this book? I'm kind of addicted because I kind of want to end with nakedness. Sure, as you would. <laughs> well, because doesn't everybody have some kind of dream about being somewhere and not knowing if you have your clothes on? That's like a universal dream. That is dream. weird. That, that is one of the most common dreams that I've never had. You've never had that I've dream? I've never had a naked dream. Oh my gosh. But that is one of the, especially being naked in class, I read, is one of the right. most common dreams. It says, a dream of being naked can convey quite diverse meanings. You may be yearning for a loss innocence, represented by your own naked babyhood, or by Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Is the word babyhood in the book? (laughs) You think I'd make up that word? (laughs) I don't. I absolutely think you'd make up the word babyhood. (laughs) I did not make it up. It's in the book. Okay. I would not make that up. I'm babyhood. reading word for word here. Babyhood. Okay. Babyhood. Okay. However, the naked figure may also express a latent exhibitionism. Oh, gosh. This is so Freudian. <laughs> or simply a desire for sex. In the Freudian view, oh, my goodness. That's right. <laughs> We're losing everyone. Sigmund, You're losing sweetie. us. Okay. The idea is, is babe, being babe. very, very vulnerable. Yeah. We'll just leave it at okay, that. Okay, well, that's, so that's weird that. because, like, I that is the word that I would go for if you're dreaming of nakedness. You're dreaming of being vulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exhibitionism. Good grief. Whatever. <laughs> Ooh, let's let's end with that. Thanks for listening to Freudian Sips, everybody. God bless. We are going to continue because there's so much we about are. dreams. We want to talk more about it in the next episode. Yes, we are. For now, thank you for listening. Tune into our next episode where we will continue to talk about ridiculous things about the way we dream and the way about our brains work. So, you can find us on many places online. The main place is FreudianSipsPod.com. That has links to everywhere else you can follow us. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all by the name FreudianSipsPod. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. There's also a contact form on the site. And if you like what we're doing, you want to help us with hosting costs and melatonin to help us sleep and have really good dreams. You can support us on Patreon, also by the name Freudian Sips Pod. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you get your audio entertainment. And please remember to leave us a nice rating and review wherever you can do that. That really helps us and it gives us warm, fuzzy feelings when we read it. So, our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs>